The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Amen. Um, good morning, everybody. Say good morning to your neighbor with a smile. With a smile, with a smile. Good morning. Um, last week, we started a series, The Beauty of the Cross. And um, today, we'll just press in further in part two of that series. Do you still have your nails? Let me see your nails, not your fingernails, your, the other one, the spiritual one. <laughs> okay, if you, if you don't have a nail or you forgot your nail at home, the ushers will be kind enough to give you new ones. Um, just make sure you are not selling them and coming to church and collecting new ones. <laughs> but, all sorts of things about these nails. I mean, good, of course, and some very just interesting. A lot of testimonies. How someone sent me a text that I mean, the nail that the enemy was really bringing up all sorts of things: self-righteousness, self-hatred, self-condemnation. We were just giving them nail. Boom! Take it. Boom! Boom! And you know, and God was, I mean, using it to to liberate him. And um, Today we are still going to um, use the nail. Someone else says to me, uh, well, I heard somebody else said that, um, can they have like three, four, five nails so that they can put one in the office, one in the car, one in the bedroom beside their bed, <laughs> you know. And somebody else wants us to make a pendant, a chain out of the nail. <laughs> you know, that's how Nehushtan uh, became an idol. Um, but um, we are not going to do that. Today, we, we, we're, we're going to press further in, in the beauty of the cross. We explained that the cross is, is so fundamental to our work with God. That, and it's so interesting that it's, it's one of those things that have been um, misunderstood the most by Christians or not even touched at all, you know. Um, when we talk and when we share, as important as the cross is, we cannot neglect it. Why? Because the cross is the key. And the key is, is the cross. I will let last week that when we die to ourselves, when we die to self, we unleash resurrection power in our lives. When we die to self. You know, you must have seen um, Coyote's testimony. I think his name is Coyote, right? Um, earlier on. And, you know, and he, he, he needed to die to self. And sometimes the truth is bitter, you know? And which is why, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm not very popular because in some circles because I just say the truth as it is, you know, just I don't have any apologies, you know? So, I mean, when I said it to him, I mean, sent him a text, you know, he, he was, uh, he, say, he said, his ego, you know, wanted to kick in. You know, in life, you need to choose whether you're going to 
obey God or obey yourself. You know, when you are the God of yourself, it will always lead to destruction. But when you allow God to be God in your life, it will always lead to life and abundance. So you have to choose one. And we, we saw last week that we need to crucify the self. Ourselves, we need to take it to the cross and nail it to the cross. And we enumerated what self is. We, we said we need to nail self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is so, so crucial because many times we think we are good people. And we said one of the best things that can ever happen to you is to discover that you are not a good person. One of the best things that ever happened to me is when I discovered that I need help. It's easy to say, oh, I'm a good person, I'm better than this person, I'm, not, I'm a good guy, I'm a good babe, and all that stuff. But the day you realize that you're not a good person, that is the day your, your deliverance begins. Praise the name of the Lord. And we, we, we saw that we should crucify self-confidence and replace it with God-confidence. We should crucify self-centeredness. That self-centeredness has nothing to do with the cross. And we explained that self-deception should be taken to the cross and nailed to the cross. And finally, we, 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 we said that we should take self-hatred to the cross and, and, nail it, and nail it to the cross. And we will progress from there. As we read Isaiah 53, verse 4. Isaiah 53, verse 4 says, Yet it was our weaknesses he carried, Jesus carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Verse 5 says, But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He says that he was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. Jesus was whipped so that you and I could be healed. I'm praying in the name of Jesus that the whipping that Jesus took on the cross will not be in vain in your life. That is what it means. When you look at the cross, it was whipped. The, the chastisement that brought us peace was laid upon him. I'm praying that every turmoil in your life will be still. Every storm in your life will be still. And you will have real peace. That the chastisement of Jesus will not be in vain in your life. It is so important that we avail ourselves of everything that Jesus has wrought for us. It is so, 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 so important. When we look at our lives as human beings, I mean, we are a very boastful bunch. We like to boast. We like to boast. Even from when we were small, we like to boast. My daddy just bought a new car. My daddy's car is bigger than your daddy's car. Have you heard that before? <laughs> oh, you should have seen our TV. Our TV is big. It's as big as from there to... <laughs> I mean, children exaggerate. They boast about their parents. They boast about their houses. We boast about everything. We say... Have you seen my daddy's hand? My daddy has power. He can carry a whole train. 
And sometimes those children believe it until they see that uh, daddy cannot carry. <laughs> daddy cannot carry that thing. <laughs> so we, we boast. We boast. To boast is to talk with excessive pride and self-satisfaction about one's achievement, possessions, and abilities. So we, we boast about wisdom. We boast about our beauty for those that are beautiful or not. We boast about power. We boast about riches. We boast about anything and everything that we think we have that has an advantage. And as much as we're boastful people, we boast so much that we boast about our boasting. We call it our swag. Have you heard that before? It says, uh, uh, <laughs> I like his swag. I have my swag. You are swagging about your, <laughs> about your swag. You know, and if you look at the word of God, there are two areas that God allows us to boast. God allows us to, there are other areas that he allows us to boast. I'm, I'm going to mention two. There are two areas that God allows us to boast. And one of the, the, the areas that God allows us to boast is in the knowledge and the understanding of God. God says in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, that let him that boasts, boasts in this, that he knows me and he understands me. Now, that is a tricky kind of boasting because God is saying, if you want to boast, boast that you know and you understand God. And it, like I said, it's a tricky kind of boasting because the more you know God, the more you understand God, the more you know you don't know. Do you understand? So how do you boast when, you, when your ignorance is revealed to you? <laughs> you know, Isaiah saw God and said, woe is me that I am undone. You know, and this, meanwhile, this guy has been boasting, has been cursing everybody. In chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, he's filled with woe unto Assyria, woe unto this person, woe unto that person. When he saw God, he says, woe is me. So when God says, boast that you know me and you understand me, it's a tricky kind of thing because you re if you really know God and grow in the knowledge and understanding of God, you really cannot boast because it humbles you. So when you see people that are boasting that they know God, they really don't know God. Okay, so that's the first one. The second area that God allows us to boast is in the cross of Calvary. It's in the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, um, Paul was saying in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, Paul was saying that, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus. So, God, ex God expects us to be to boast about the cross, to, to talk excessively about, about the cross, to be extravagant about the cross, as it were. And God himself boasts. You know, God boasts, but God boasts about Job. God called Satan, said, have you, have you considered myself as Job? You know, and so God boasts about us. You know, I've said it before, when God wants to boast about you, be careful, because the recorded guy that God boasts about, Job, we know what happened to him after the boasting, you know? <laughs> so when God is boasting about me, I say, God, please, I beg, I beg, go. 
Just leave me as I am. <laughs> Why? Because when God is boasting about you, you are about to face some serious tests. Serious ones. You know that we don't like tests, but we don't like the pain. So God, God boasts. God also boasts. And, and Satan also boasts. You know, and Satan boasts. In fact, Satan's greatest boast is when he's succeeded in alienating the children of God from their father, from God. When he's able to cause us to be separated from God, that is his greatest boast. Satan's greatest boast is when he's able to turn our back against God. He did it with Adam and Eve. That was his greatest boast. Great, Satan's greatest boast is when he causes us to fall short of God and be far from God. Then he can beat his chest. Oh, I destroyed that marriage. Oh, I destroyed that man. I destroyed that. This is his greatest boast. So the main thing Satan boasts about is sin in man. And the boasting of Satan only brings guilt, condemnation, and darkness. The only, the, the, the only thing the, the boasting of Satan brings is sin, con- condemnation, and darkness. So when you feel guilty, condemned, and you feel darkness, Satan is boasting about you. When you want to pray, and when you close your eyes, and you want to play, and all you see is guilt and condemnation, that Satan beating his chest and saying, yes, I got him, or I got her. That's his boast. But God will neutralize his boast in your life today in the mighty name of Jesus. Everything that Satan has been using to boast against you will be taken out of the way. Say amen. Come on. That's even me. In the mighty name of Jesus. There are two ways of escaping Satan's boast. Two ways of escaping Satan's boast. Sin. Just two ways. Number one, from the day you were born to the day you die, don't ever sin then you will escape his boast. And you and I know that is not possible. <laughs> we all have seen Romans 3.23 and come short of the glory of God. The only sinless man that walked up upon the earth is Jesus. And Jesus says in, in John 14.30, he says that the prince of this world comes and finds nothing in me. Satan finds nothing. In me. In other words, there, there was no sin in Jesus. There was nothing Satan could boast about in Jesus. I'm praying that you will leave this place and the prince of this world will come and he will find nothing in you. He will find nothing to boast about in you in the mighty name of Jesus. So the first thing, that's the first, first thing. Don't sin. So, okay, so that's, that's out of the way. Not possible. So the second thing of silencing the enemy completely is forgiveness. Everybody say forgiveness. It's forgiveness. It's forgiveness. Colossians 2.13 says that you were dead because of sins, of your sins. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. It says... Then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave. Everybody say forgave. He forgave all your sins. How many of your sins? A few of them. All your sins. He canceled the record 
of charges against us. And he took it away by what? By nailing it to the cross. The greatest boast of Satan in your life was taken away by Jesus and was nailed to the cross. Isn't that beautiful? That is totally beautiful. So, so we see that the major weapon the enemy uses successfully against mankind was removed at the cross, taken away. So the weapon of unforgiven sin was nailed to the cross. Nailed to the cross. Now bring out your nails again. Bring out your nails. Every time Satan makes a boast about you, about your marriage, about your life, every time you kneel down and all you see is condemnation. For some of us, we've hidden our, our, our nails in our, in our pockets. Bring it out. Some of us open our briefcase and we bring it out. Sometimes, when you go on your knees, all you can see is all the ways you have fallen short and you have sinned and there's condemnation and there's, you know, I want you to, by faith, bring out this nail and just say to Satan, see this nail. It is what? Nailed to the cross. I'm free. Every single time. Every single time. So, you, you I mean, you, you just, the young man said to me, he was, ah, pastor, I, I was self-righteousness. Just rose, that was from last week's teaching. That self-righteousness rose up its head, you know, and I just brought my nail. I just gave it, boom. <laughs> the same way when the boastings of the enemy wants to raise his head, wants to boast with guilt and condemnation and darkness, bring out the nail and boom. Why? Because it was nailed to the cross. It was nailed to the cross. It is finished. You know, that scripture says that God removed all the charges against us. It's like, it's like a court of law. Got all the charges against us. God removed all the charges and nailed it to the cross. The enemy accuses us. But the enemy cannot condemn us. The enemy can accuse you. But the enemy cannot condemn you. So stop trying to make the enemy stop accusing you. The enemy will accuse you. But the enemy cannot condemn you. There are two different things. There are two different things. It's like the, 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 the picture depicted in this scripture is the setting of a, of a law court. That the enemy has brought up charges against us. Against you. And I said, he has done this. He has, she has done that. He has done this. She has done that. And God is saying that he has canceled it. Now, picture if you will. Satan, you're in court. Satan brings all, all the evidence. The video, your audio recording, all your tweets, 
your WhatsApp messages, uh, those ones, uh, that one too, uh, yes. He brings everything. And he says to God, evidence. But guess who the judge is? My daddy. So, the enemy comes with charges against me, and my daddy is the judge. Now, before you start thinking, for those of you that are very legalistic in your thinking, you are thinking, oh, pastor, that is injustice. You know, that is Ojoro, that is... Uh, and I, I don't even want to go into that dimension of maybe favor is not fair and all that. You know, that, uh, you know, that is not right. So the father cannot t- twist justice for the son. And that is true. God is a just God. God cannot twist justice for anybody. And that is why God sent Jesus to pay the price for my sins and for your sins. So that when the enemy comes with accusation, God will say the verdict is out. Femi Monai is forgiven. The verdict is out. He says forgiven. 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 Now, God is not saying Femi is innocent. You know, God is not saying you are innocent. God is not saying the verdict is, is innocent of the charges. No, God is not saying that. God is saying he is guilty as charged. But is pardoned. Forgiven. 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 So this is not a talk to try and say that, oh, we are going to subvert justice. No, that is justice. On the cross, that is justice. Jesus went and paid for you and I. So the, the beauty is that we can raise our heads up on high. Why? Because Jesus paid. Now the question is, when did this happen? When did Jesus pay for your sins and my sins? When, when did this happen? When you got born again? Was it when you were born again? When you got born again, Jesus ran to the cross and died. If you are going to get born again, Jesus is going to get born again. When you get born again, so just quickly come and say, let me quickly go to the cross and die. No, Jesus died once and for all, over 2,000 years ago. So when was this done? Over 2,000 years ago. Over 2,000 years ago. So stop trying to get Satan to stop accusing you. Stop trying to get Satan to stop accusing you. That's his job. He has to do his job. Many times we, want to, we just don't want Satan to accuse us. We just don't want Satan to tell, to remind us of the bad things. Let him remind you of the bad things. Just show him the nails. Say, forgiven. 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 So, you know, the, the, the point is that is a, is a, Satan is not a fool. And after a while, he just leaves you alone. Know, okay, this one. Uh, you still come back, but we leave you alone most of the time. <laughs> Let's go and try the ones that don't know. Why? Because that is the beauty of the cross. The beauty of the cross. So being able to lift up your head and, and look at the cross free of guilt and condemnation, free of darkness, will release 
the resurrection power in your life. You are able to take charge of situations. You're able to take charge of your life. You're able to take charge of your, of your family, of your marriage, of your finances. You're able to walk this world without being afraid that you'll be struck down or being afraid of tomorrow or being afraid what, what, what's going to happen. Maybe if I sleep, I don't. <laughs> Come on. You are free to lift your head. Now, the key thing in, in this is this. God did what he did at the cross for you and outside of you. God did what he did at the cross for you and what? And outside of you. You had no impute in the cross. None. None. So it was done for you and what? And outside of you. Why is this important? It's important because you cannot spoil it. You cannot. You are complete in him. Who is the head of all principalities and powers? If you have a bad mood, the fact that your mother doesn't like you or your brother doesn't like you, the fact that the, your colleagues don't like you has nothing to do with this. This is a perfect work that was done for you. Now, do you know what a bomb is? And listen to this. This is a bomb. All your sins and my sins. All. Everyone say all. Past. Say past. Present. Say present. And future. Say future. Has been forgiven. I know, I know some of you are struggling with that. I'm like, ah, pastor, don't say that to me. <laughs> you know, and that's why you don't hear me preach a lot, because a lot of pastors are afraid that if you tell people the truth, that they will begin to sin. But it's true that if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. All your sins, all my sins, Past, present, and future forgiven at the cross. Praise the Lord. Why will God do that? Why would God, doesn't, don't, doesn't God know that people can take it for granted? Doesn't God know? I mean, the parents that know this truth, but they never teach it to their teenagers because they feel, oh, if I tell my teenager that all the sins are, are forgiven, past, present, and future, they will not live a responsible life. But that's not true. Because when you give people the truth, they actually become free. And let me explain this. If all you think about and if all you can see in the cross of Jesus is a license to go on sinning, guess what? You are yet to be saved. If all you can see in the cross of Jesus is, our pastor said, 
All our sins, past, present, future, has forgiven. I mean, ah, well, let's just go and. <laughs> if that is all you can see, you are not saved. You need to give your life to Jesus. Only one person is laughing. <laughs> that is okay. <laughs> Why? Because, let me, let me explain this. Because if you are saved, if you are saved, your priorities become his priority. Can you sin? Or is it possible for someone that is saved to, to sin? Well, you can say make a mistake. I don't know if it's a mistake, but to, to sin. Yes, it is. But will Jesus forgive? Yes, he will. So, so Pastor, you saying if somebody that is saved sins, Jesus will forgive? Yes, he will. He's forgiven already. He just needs to ask and repent. So, you mean if the person sins again, Jesus will forgive? Yes, he will. He's forgiven already. You mean if he sins against and sins again and sins again, Jesus will forgive? Yes. So, what if he now says, ah, since he's forgiving, let me continue to, will Jesus forgive? Now, that is where, it's not, this, not, listen to this. Now, this has nothing to do with Jesus anymore. The person himself as willfully, everybody say willfully, taking himself out of the covenant. And what is left is judgment. That's what the word of God says. Hebrews 10, Hebrews 6. Get on Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10. It says that he, maybe we should read it. Do you have Hebrews 10? Maybe from verse, verse 23. 23. Are you putting it up? That's that's what it says. That's what it says. From verse 26. It says, Dear friend, if we deliberately, everyone say deliberately, if we, if we deliberately continue sinning, we have received, after we have received knowledge of truth, then there is no longer any sacrifice that covers all these sins. That's, there's only what? The terrible expectation of what? God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume. So, that, that is so, you can't, God is not mocked. When, when the Bible says God is not mocked, that's what God is saying. God is not mocked. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you getting this? Good. So, saving faith is, is, done, is outside of you for you. So, saving faith is not performing faith. It doesn't add to what Christ has done. Saving faith is receiving faith. It's a receiving faith. Saving faith is a receiving faith. So when the life of Christ is received, then it is formed in us. And then it performs through us. When the life of Christ is received, it is formed in us. Formed in us meaning Paul was saying that my little children of whom I travel in birth again until Christ is formed in you. And when Christ is formed in us, then Christ can perform through us because it is God that 
causes us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So God forms in us and God performs through us. We don't perform to get saved. We don't. No, 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 we don't. Years ago, like 19 years ago, I was in the north of northern Nigeria um, to serve, youth service, 97. And I was in a place, I was sitting down and observing nature, you know, not back then, I don't know about now, things were just slow, you know. When we came from, 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 from the south and you enter a bus, the roads are well tarred, I think PTF stuff, you know, and the driver is going at, I kid you not, 30, 40 kilometers per hour. And he's just going. It's a brand new buses, PTF buses. But driver is going at, and I'm, I'm there, Lagos boy, and I'm like, boiling, move. <laughs> and everybody, in the bus, it's so content. No, I mean, anyway, it's good to, to be that kind of environment. It slows you down. So I was in this place. I, I, I was sitting, just sitting down, doing nothing, just observing nature. I just, you know. And I was getting instruction. I saw a pool of mud, deep mud on the road. And I saw pigs in the mud. And the pigs, they were just rolling in the mud. I, I mean, it was like they were in heaven. They were just rolling and rolling. I was like, wow. And on this other side of, of, of the road, I saw um, sheep, a pack of sheep. And a car came and splashed mud on the sheep. And something interesting happened. The sheep that had mud splashed on them went to the, the barbed wire. There's a barbed wire there and kept rubbing their body on the barbed wire, trying to get rid of the mud. Meanwhile, the pig were just like in the mud and just rolling and rolling. And I look at the boat and I'm like, wow. One is in the mud enjoying life. One, the other, mud splashed on it and it's so uncomfortable until he eradicates the, the mud. That is the distinguished mark of a Christian. A Christian, the Christian life is not a perfect life. But the distinguishing mark of a Christian life is that I am going to fight anything that soils my garment. That's the distinguishing mark of a Christian life. So I am not going to rub in the mud. I am not a pig. A pig. Stays in the mud and enjoys it. A Christian, guess what he does? Mud is on a Christian. The Christian will not sleep. The Christian will not rest. The Christian will keep rubbing and keep rubbing until the mud. So, the distinguishing mark of the Christian life is not perfection. Is that I fight anything that dims my life, the life of Christ in me. I fight anything that's Put a question mark on my faith. I fight anything that wants to separate between me and God. I fight anything that wants to take charge of my destiny. I 
fight. I fight. I'm not fighting with my willpower or my strength or with knives or with guns. I fight. I fight with the power of Christ in me. I fight. I fight. Take it to the bank. Between now and the time you see Jesus, you are going to disappoint yourself. Take it to the bank. What do you do when that happens? Are you going to be a pig? Or are you going to be a sheep? Are you going to be a pig that stays in the mud? Or are you going to be a sheep that will not rest until it gets rid of the mud? What's it going to be? So I fight and fight so I can confidently say like, like Paul said in, in Galatians chapter 6 verse 14, by God's grace I can say that as for me, may I never boast about anything except what? Except the cross. May I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in the world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. So Paul is saying, I have an interest in the world. And the world has an interest in me. And both have to be crucified. Both my interest in the world and the world's interest in me. Okay, what's, what's, what's Paul's interest in the world? What's, what's our interest in the world? These are legitimate things. They're not necessarily seen. They're not even seen. Roof over your head. Food on the table. Clothes on your back. Money to take care of your family. These are legitimate things. And Paul is saying, my interest in the world has been what? Crucified. Your interest in the world is anything you have in this world that is not seen that you cannot take to heaven. Your interest in the world. If you die now, the shirt you are wearing, the, the dress you are wearing, are you going to take it with you? No, I can't. You can't. The house you are living in, the car that you 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 broke people's marriages to buy. Are you going to drive it to the gate of heaven? Beeping. What's going to happen? It's not going to happen. So anything in this world that is not necessarily seen, that when you exit this world cannot go with you, is your interest in the world. And Paul is saying that you, he is crucified to, he has interest, but he's crucified to his interest in the world. He's, he's dead. And you and I have to die to our interest in the world. And that can be, I mean, challenging for some people. I'll give you an example. Personal life. How many years ago? Seven, eight years ago. I used to run two businesses. One here in Lagos. One in, in the UK. And I was a new, young past, new pastor. I was younger. <laughs> and the church was 
you know, growing at a phenomenal rate. And, you know, there was a whole lot. And I felt God saying to me, you know what? For this season, it didn't even say for this season. But I kind of knew it was for a season. It says, stop your businesses and focus on ministry. Now, if my interest in the world has not been crucified, I will not be able to carry out that instruction. You know why? Because at the time, even though I could, I, I was collecting nothing from the church. Nothing. Not a dime. In fact, my wife and I, by God's grace, were giving what God knows. So I was like, I don't collect anything from the church. So, I, so where am I going to survive? How am I going to, I mean, you know, that's the logical thing to, to think, right? But I just said to God, okay, fine. So I said to my wife, this is what God is telling me. Did he say you should stop one? I said, no, the two. The two? Are you sure? I said, yes. A few days will pass. Are you sure? So one day I sat down. I said, as sure as I know that my name is Femi as sure as I'm not confused that my name is Femi that's how sure I am. I said, okay. And we stopped. We didn't even tell anybody. My interest in the world was crucified to me. Now, today, by the way, I'm doing business back because God has said to me, you can start your business again. So I'm doing business. So I don't think that there's something wrong with business. Nothing is wrong with business. But what I'm saying is that anything in your life that you cannot take with you to heaven, if you place it before the cross, you are setting yourself up for destruction. It could be your job. It could be your child. It could be, I'm telling you, it could even be a child. Anything. It could be your wife. It could be your husband. Anything. My interest in the world. I can't even be, I can't even be my son. No, I can't even be my child. I can tell you stories of our stories. Of our stories. There's a man of God that you probably know the story. That he had a son and he was practically idolizing the son. Then the son fell ill. And he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and the son wouldn't get well. Then he went to God that I mean, God help me now. I mean, this boy is dying. And God told him, heal him now. She is your son. So he got it. He now said to God, okay, God, this is your son. And God healed the boy. So is it that there was something wrong with having a son? No. My interest in the world has been what? And he didn't stop there. He says, the world's interest in me has been, listen, 
The world has a plan for you. And the prince of this world is the devil. The enemy has a plan for you. The enemy, I mean, the enemy has a plan for you. Sometimes we can look at the most the obvious, but you know, sometimes it's, it's okay to look at the obvious. Look at the Omar Glow um, teaser. You watched it, right? You see the gym instructor. Was that the gym instructor that said every married man? He doesn't, she doesn't want single men. She's the representation of the world that has a plan. And that interest has to be what? Crucified. And there's a, a scripture that I, I recite over and over and over. Galatians 2.20. I want to encourage you to, to recite these scriptures until I tell you, I mean, if I were keeping count, maybe I've recited this scripture 10,000 times. I kid you not. I mean, there was a time I was reciting it hundreds of times every day. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lived in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So let's all read it together from the screen. One, two, go. Again, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave. Again, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave him. So let's do it without it being on the screen. Again. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who and gave himself for me. Clap for yourself. Fantastic. So it is, we get the scriptures in us we over and over. You see, if you if you get the scripture in you over and it becomes flesh. Your spouse will offend you and you will just be looking. Why? Because a dead man cannot fight. I am crucified. <laughs> I'm telling you, the problem is that we are still alive. Your husband has done something very not very nice to you. Maybe has, 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 has not stood up for you with his, with his mom or whatever things that is going down. And you are really angry and he's expecting you to fight and you keep quiet. And he's, he comes and he says, uh, are you not going to fight me for that? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. For Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He forgets your birthday. 
and he remembered the following day. And he checks his head if he's still on his neck. I say, Chai, she hasn't cut off my head yet. And he, he comes with um, a gift saying, Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. I said, but, but you were not upset. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You got home. There was no food in the house. And you worked all day to provide for your wife and your family. Your colleague at work offered you lunch. You, de you declined. Because you want to eat your wife's food. You got home so late, all the eateries are closed. And your wife says to you, I'm sorry, I was tired today. I just felt we should skip dinner. But knowing you well, she's ready for combat. And nothing happens. Then you drink water. And you ask her how her day was. And you are nice. And you go to bed. And she's checking. Ah. And she says, are you not upset that I didn't prepare the food? I am crucified with Christ. <laughs> Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. But Christ delivered in me. And the life I now live, I, faith, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And... Ah. Resurrection power will burst forth in our home. It's impossible. It's impossible for it not to. We get in the way too often. get in the way too often. When I saw it, the world was crossed on which the queens of glory died. My richest gave I count what Let's take that first one again.
love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. You may be seated in this place today and you are not born again, you are not saved, you've not come to accept the saving salvation of Jesus. Now say, Pastor, can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Wherever you are seated. Or you are saying, I used to be saved, but I've treated with contempt the blood that saved me. I've backslidden. Can I come again? I have heard that God will forgive me. Can I come? Yes, you can, my brother. Yes, you can, my sister. I want to pray with you wherever you are seated. Now say, Pastor, that is me. Pray with me. I want to pray with you. God bless you. Put up your hand over here. God bless you, my sister. God bless you over there. God bless you over there. God bless you over there. God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you over there. That is me. God bless you, my sister over there. God bless you, my brother over there. God bless you. Keep the hands up. That is me. Pastor, pray with me. Pray with me. I didn't know forgiveness was still available. I thought, that, God bless you. I thought that was the end. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my brother. God bless you over there. Oh, now I want to be forgiven. God bless you, my sister over there. God bless you. Keep the hands up. I'm going to put a card in your hand. God bless you right there. God bless you. I'm going to put a card in your hand. Once you have the card, you can put down the hand and just pray. I'm about to pray with you shortly. Pastor, that is me. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to. Just put up that hand and I'll pray with you wherever you are. If you are struggling, I know, I know, I know. Just take the step. Shame the devil today and glorify the Lord. Put the posting of Satan to shame in your life. Put up that hand now over your head. And we'll pray together. Oh, Father, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise and glory. Thank you for everyone that is coming to you today. We ask that you accept them according to your word. Breathe upon them, Lord. Cleanse them totally. Change these lives, my Father. And let your name be glorified. Every one of us, Lord, the grace to consistently see the beauty of the cross given unto us. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give